Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Oh, yeah. Man, I miss this song. Here we go, indeed. Okay, sir, kill it off. Kill it off. I tell you, I, love, I do love the song, but I'm, I'm excited to get back into this. So after nine years, nine years, I can't believe it's been that long. I'm back. This is the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost. I am also America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual. Not really self-loathing, but, you know, back in the day, uh, long story short, when we were doing the show out of Denver, you know, you get that kind of, uh, those emails that, you know, the tis 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 crowd that, you are so self-loathing, you know, that crowd. So I just decided to embrace it and call myself self-loathing. So I am here as always with White Boy Malcolm X. He wanted to rebrand after nine years to, uh, to Woke Boy Malcolm X, but I said no, and no for two reasons. One, he's not woke and will never be and is like the farthest thing from woke. And second of all, even if he were... After, after we get through reading all these news articles, no amount of wokeness is going to get us out of trouble. So I just said, no, you're white boy Malcolm X. You're always white boy Malcolm X. And that's just the way it's going to be. So two quick things before we, uh, we dive in. First, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. Like I said, it's been nine years. I'm going to be a little rusty, going to stumble over a word or two or five or what have you. Sorry, it will get better. And then the second thing I want to do real quick is to give a special shout out to the show's number one fan, co-word, uh, Summit Mistress. And so Summit Mistress, White Boy Malcolm X, just want to tell you that we love you and we miss you and we can't wait to see you and uh, good to have you back in the listening audience. So right now we are broadcasting from the uh, Commonwealth of Massachusetts in a, um, a Tony, White Boy Malcolm X, would you call this a Tony suburb of Boston? Yes. Okay. He, of course you would. Uh, White Boy Malcolm X, his family's from from Breckenridge, the estates in Breckenridge, so he only knows the good side of life. So he would not live in the seedier parts of town or the area. So uh, yeah, we are in a, a secret, a new secret bunker outside of Boston. And uh, I've been up here like five, six years now. Uh, after I left Colorado, did a quick pit stop in Atlanta, and then uh, had this opportunity uh, open up for me to kind of move up here. And I thought, you know. 11 years in, in California, I got to see kind of that left coast uh, liberalism and thought, why, why not go to Massachusetts? You know, I can kind of see what it looks like on the, on the East Coast with a really bad accent. Had to witness it firsthand. So here I am. And I've been up here for a while now. And I actually do like it. It's a, it's a beautiful area. You know, the history is amazing. You know, you can drive to like six states inside of, uh, you know, 45 minutes, maybe, if that. Um, so it's, it's been great so far. But the people are kind of nutty. And uh to give you a quick example, uh, before we uh, before we get into things, this is from the Boston Globe, and this will tell you exactly uh, exactly what we deal with day in day out. Massachusetts Appeals Court: the phrase "grandfather clause" racist in origin will no longer be used. The state appeals court used a zoning feud between Gloucester neighbors as an opportunity to jettison the term "grandfathering" from its lexicon Monday, citing its origin in post Civil War laws that prevented blacks from exercising their right to vote. 
A three-judge panel declared its objection to the word, which has been used by lawyers, judges, and local governments, all of them racist, to explain why new zoning laws, for example, do not apply to existing buildings or home lots. Providing such protection commonly is known, in the case law and otherwise, as grandfathering. We decline to use that term, however, because we acknowledge that it has racist origins, Judge James R. Milkey wrote in a footnote for the state's second highest court. Milkey said the phrase had its roots in 19th century laws that created barriers to voting for blacks. So, do you know what they did to replace the word grandfathering? In lieu of the phrase, the court wrote that the law provides a certain level of protection to all structures that predate applicable zoning restrictions. So you can't say grandfathering anymore because that's racist. So if you're thinking about saying it, you got to say provides a certain level of protection to all structures that predate applicable zoning restrictions. Do not say the word grandfathering or you will be a racist. So up here in Massachusetts, all the good white liberals can sleep a little bit easier because they got that word, which we're not going to talk about again. That word has been banished. But if you are a, uh, you know, a poor minority, you know, in the area. This does absolutely nothing to improve the quality of your life, doesn't improve the schools, doesn't improve the, your safety, but the cops are all racist pigs anyway. So, you know, you're out of luck there as well. But, you know, it doesn't do much for you. Anyway, what is the Miller Frost show other than that? What I'd like to say is that it's a, uh, it's an irreverent journey through today's oddball news stories. Uh, for me, I mean, Yes, we could talk about, you know, COVID and the masks and everything else. I got some, uh, I got, I mean, we'll touch on it in a little bit here. Uh, I mean, we could talk about the election. Um, You know, poor Joe Biden, bless his heart, as we say in the South. Um, You know, we could talk about what Congress and and that and Trump and, you know, Nancy Pelosi and and, uh, Chuck Schumer and the the, the low rent dits, the the one from New York, uh, AOC. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that, but a lot of shows do that. And and for me, this is just... It's an opportunity, and, and I hope it is for you as well. You can kind of download the podcast and, and use it to unwind from the week and just listen to me, you know, with a little co- color commentary thrown in, you know, just kind of read some what I think are odds and ends news stories, you know, for the most part. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a a, uh, a slightly more adult version of the show for those of you that uh, listened before. But we'll get into that, you know, as, as this show unwinds and then as, as, as we get into uh, other podcasts. So... Anyway, jumping right in uh, from Fox Business, Portland Whole Foods workers walk out after employee says he lost job over anti-racism button. And that button better not have said grandfathering. A Whole Foods worker walkout took place at a Portland store on Sunday afternoon after an employee said he had to resign for refusing to take off a button that said racism has no place here. Dylan Woodruff, 23, said that he was told on July 27 not to come back to work because of the button Street Roots reported. Woodruff worked at Whole Foods Laurelhurst store east of downtown Portland, which I suspect is probably still burning as I read this article, and was expected at Sunday's walkout. A spokesperson for, get this, Portland Jobs with Justice, a group supporting the walkout, told Fox Business. Whole Foods website declares racism has no place here, but the button was not made by Whole Foods. The store, wait, so this guy had a button that said racism has no place here. But it was not made and sold by Whole Foods, so he could not wear the button. Okay, got it. The store's policy bans any visible slogans, messages, logos, or advertising that are not company-related on any article of clothing. I guess he can go work at Starbucks. Oh, speaking of Whole Foods, where's that other article? Get this. this and this is, this is local. This is local news, folks. 
Lawyer rips Whole Foods for statement falsely attacking former Cambridge employee. Their efforts to disparage an amazing activist and leader are beyond the pale. So let's dig into this a little. The lead attorney in a class action lawsuit against poor Whole Foods over the grocery store's decision to discipline employees who wore Black Lives Matter face coverings is ripping the company for falsely attacking one of the plaintiffs in the case. I wonder it's because the the, the masks weren't made by Whole Foods. Like that poor guy and the, the poor, I mean, this poor kid, Dylan Woodruff, he's out in you know Portland. He's not burning the city down, right? He's trying to do his job at the Whole Foods. He's trying to be a good liberal, good, you know, he wants to virtue signal like the rest of them, like the... The, uh, the grandfathering folks uh, in downtown Boston here, they just want a virtue signal all day long, and he gets, gets canned. And now this poor, this poor person gets fired because she can't wear a Black Lives you know, Matter face mask. Following the news of the lawsuit Monday, a Whole Foods spokesperson told Boston.com that Savannah Kinzer, a former employee at the chain's River Street location in Cambridge, who was fired over the weekend after organizing protests against the policy, was fired for not... Quote, working her assigned shifts, reporting late from work multiple times in the past nine days, and choosing to leave during her, to- uh, her scheduled shifts. The company, which is being sued for alleged discrimination and retaliation, emphasized that no employees were fired for wearing a Black Lives Matter mask. They're lying, clearly. Kinzer is the only Whole Foods employee involved in the action who has been fired. According to the lawsuit, Kinzer was terminated due to an accumulation of disciplinary points, most of which she received as a result of wearing the Black Lives Matter mask. The plaintiff's complaint also claims her firing, which happened an hour after the 23-year-old. Well, that explains everything. Here we go. So she was fired for not working her assigned shifts, reporting late for work multiple times, and choosing to leave her shift during, you know, leave during her schedule. She came in when she wanted to. She did what she wanted. So, of course, 23-year-old, you got to see a picture. If you go to boston.com, I'm sure you can look up this. You got to see the picture, which kind of... you know, explains everything. So it's this, it's this dopey white blonde chick and she's standing there reading something and, you know, it's 23 year old dopey white blonde chick and she's surrounded by a bunch of minorities with their masks on. And I looked at that and I'm like, well, the mistress of the plantation is speaking, uh, speaking up for everyone. So I just, I thought that the optics of that were like, is she the only one who can talk? But I guess so that she's the only one that they fired. So there's that. What do you want to do next, White Boy Malcolm X? I, I do have the gay stories because I know you like the gay stories. I've got I've got the fluff stories, which I know you love, and I've, I've got something about you know Princess Kate and and uh, and all that family, and I've got you know kind of the the more serious stories. So I mean, do you, do you have a do you have a preference on um on what you want to what you what you want to do? Oh oh no, hold on a second. Sorry, folks. I told you. I apologize. It's gonna. I'm, I'm rusty. I had one more. Uh, a, a dopey chick story. Where is that? Here, here it is. Give me that. I'm afraid to actually read this story. White boy Malcolm X. Do you know what a turf is? A turf is a trans exclusion. Yes, it's a trans. It's a transgender story. But we're not going to say anything because I don't want to get in trouble. So be quiet. A trans exclusionary radical feminist is what the transgender community calls women who disagree with them on anything. Like if you're Let's say you're like like in Connecticut, right? You're a mother and you've got a daughter on, say, a high school sports team and a transitioning uh, a, a guy who's now a girl shows up and like starts winning all the awards in the state of Connecticut and your poor daughter doesn't win anything because these guys who are now girls are... If you say a word about that, like, well, maybe that's not fair. They call you a turf. 
I don't know what they call men, but they call the women TERFs. And so, um, what's her name? J.K. Rowling. Thank you. Thank you. Look how they went after her for saying, she said something about like a woman is someone who menstruates or she liked something on, this is what you get for going on Twitter. And they went after her so viciously. I think when they ever, they decided to transition, they, they have, and don't tell anyone I said this, when they decide to transition, they, they have their sense of humor completely removed. So, I mean, they went after that woman, uh, J.K. Rowling, so bad that when they went to Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, who, who he, the only reason he's around today is probably because of her, he immediately just threw her under the bus. Uh, speak, oh, we just, you know, like all, we love all people. Because he's probably like, oh, shit, if I say anything, anything in support of this woman who I owe my life to, they're going to beat me up too. So he's like, sorry, sucks to be you, but, uh, you know, you're under the bus. But I do have another dopey, uh, dopey white chick story. But it does have to do with transgender. So are you ready for this? Trans woman reveals the horrifying treatment she's endured in a men's jail after being arrested while protesting racism. A trans woman has spoken of the horrifying treatment she endured in a men's jail after she was arrested at a Black Lives Matter protest in Seattle. Joan Folks joined a... No, we are not going to rate transgender... Transgender... See, I'm already doing it again. Transgender names, we are not going to rate them any longer, white boy Malcolm X. So that is as good a transgender name as it gets. Joan. Joan Folks joined a protest in the city on Sunday, May 31st, in response to the brutal killing of George Floyd, a black man who died after white police officer Derek Chauvin knelt on his neck for more than eight minutes. And if you're sitting out there wondering, is the black, the B in black capitalized, and the W in white in lowercase? Yes. That's a good liberal who wrote this article. Folks met with other protesters at 9.30 p.m. that evening, but she told Patch that they were quickly ambushed by police. A police officer approached her and said, you're under arrest. You assaulted me. He claimed she tried to dismount him from his bicycle. Folks was arrested on suspicion of assault and was taken to the King County Correctional Facility later that night. At the jail, she was told that she would be jailed with male inmates because she has not legally changed her gender. I very clearly pass as a woman, folks said, but that doesn't really matter. It should be based on what I say. And you know what, folks? Let me just tell you, having looked at her picture, you're right, she does. She passes as another kind of over-entitled young bitchy, bitchy woman. And I hate to use the word, but that's what she comes off as. So Joan, dear, I, I, I do have a, uh, a, um, a bit of advice for you. If, if, if I may, you know, jail is not a safe space, dear. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're a transgender woman in a male prison. It doesn't matter if you're a 20 something, you know, young man in a, in, in a jail, it ain't going to be easy for you, you know, no matter what. So the next time you decide to go protesting in Seattle, that's something to think about. Jail is not a safe space. John Oliver slams white supremacist history of America. To, why do we bring these people in? I mean, I know, I think he's, well, I think he's an American citizen, but he's British. Uh, and it's like, why do we import, import these people? We have so many people already here that hate America. We don't need to bring in any more of them. Uh, the, the, the number of them we have in Congress alone, I just, I, en enough. So anyway, John Oliver slams white supremacist history of America taught in schools. Ignoring the history that you don't like uh, is not a victimless act, Oliver said. As the well-worn aphorism goes, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. 
That was the general thesis laid out by John Oliver on Sunday's episode of Last Week Tonight, as he examined how a whitewashed history curriculum in U.S. schools can lead to ignorance and a lack of understanding for generations. Are they actually, white boy Malcolm X, are they actually teaching history these days? I mean, if they're teaching it, it's generally like like some sort of half-gender studies, or they're teaching it, it's like, uh, let's talk about you know, Stonewall, or let's talk about you know all the horrible things that have happened to us. But uh, I guess they are, or they're not doing it to his... I don't even want to read that. He annoys the... Whatever. Oh, here's another one. This is from... Or, hold on a second. Uh, this is from the New York Times, which is, you'll see, um, what lockdown 2.0 looks like. We are, here's some COVID news for you. Harsher rules, deeper confusion. I'm, uh, white boy Malcolm X just wants me to get to the gay stories. I'm doing it. I got a couple more. Just, just hold off a second. Australia's second largest city, Melbourne, grappled with a spiraling coronavirus outbreak in a country that was once thought to have the pandemic beat, has now imposed some of the toughest restrictions in the world. But as officials cast about for ways to break the chain of infections, the city has become a confounding matrix of hefty fines for disobedience, minor exceptions for everything from romantic partners to home building, and endless versions of the question, so wait, can I? Restaurant owners are wondering about food delivery after an 8 p.m. curfew began on Sunday night. Teenagers are asking if their boyfriends and girlfriends count as essential partners. Can animal shelter volunteers walk dogs at night? Are house cleaners essential for those struggling with their mental health? Can the COVID test exercise outside? Oh, COVID tested exercise outside. This, what? Oh, no, that's a good point. That's a white boy Malcolm X. I should probably put this story down. We would not want to talk about it. It's from the New York Times, which was, that's what I was surprised about. But it has to do with Australia doing a lot. And, and Australia is obviously having a coronavirus problem. And they're not being led by, by uh, Donald Trump. So um, I thought Donald Trump was the one, you know, screwing all this up, but I guess not. So, but we're not going to talk about it, so don't tell anyone. Kentucky restaurant owner accuses Black Lives Matter protesters of using mafia tactics. This is from The Hill. Story's a couple of days old. A Louisville, Kentucky restaurant owner has accused local Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter activists of threats and mafia tactics after they demanded downtown business owners hire black employees at rates proportionally equal to the population. Several business owners in the city's Nulu business God, I hate those. Nulu business district received the list of demands, which called for them to hire black workers to fill a minimum of 23% of positions. The list also includes a minimum of 23% of purchases of inventory made by black realtors and mandatory diversity and inclusion training twice a year, according to the Courier Journal. Fernando Martinez, owner of La Bogot, uh, I know how to speak Spanish, so I'm just I'm just completely screwing this up right now. La Bodaguita, okay, I don't know how to speak Spanish, de Mima, on East Market Street, claimed that after a protest closed the street on July 24th, demonstrators told him he better put the list of demands on the door so your business is not effed with. And I don't think they just use the word F. So, poor Fernando Martinez, I'm assuming he is Latino must go and do mandatory <laughs> diversity and inclusion training not once but twice a year folks and he's got to hire he's got to hire 23% of his uh his folks at uh, la, la bodeguita da mima must be black so i uh okay and that's that gay stories yes i'm going to get right to them do you want that there's a happy gay story in search of his lost love 90 year old man comes out as gay i never felt so free 
Kenneth Feltz didn't plan on coming out to the world. In fact, he didn't plan on coming out to anyone until the coronavirus pandemic struck. The 90-year-old Colorado man's decades-long search for a former partner named Philip ended in him coming out online and gaining national attention nearly 60 years after his brief relationship with the love of his life. Feltz, a Navy veteran, knew that he was gay since he was 12 years old, and despite a few brief flings during his adolescence and young adulthood, he kept it hidden because of his Christian upbringing. Those bastards. It wasn't until meeting Philip that he briefly lived out his life. I'm not gay. I'm eating this. Do you, want the, you want the end of the story? So the guy comes out, Kenneth's sitting around, 60 years later going, hmm, man, that wasn't so bad, that guy. It turns out that the love of his, li- his life is dead. So that's what he found out. And the love of his life had a, a love of their lives as well. And that guy's dead too. Local LGBTQ leaders chosen as delegates to DNC. The Pennsylvania delegation to this year's Democratic National Convention will include 27 LGBTQ community members, including several from Philadelphia. This is from the Philadelphia Gay News. Goodness. Brendan Welch, the communications director for the Pennsylvania Democratic Party, called the LGBTQ community a cornerstone of the Democratic Party. And yes, I'm going to actually use that voice, White Boy Malcolm X, because you know that's exactly what Brendan Welch sounds like. We must actively uplift LGBTQ plus voices if we are to achieve the America that Democrats stand. This is why I am, folks, this is why I am America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, because I'm not afraid to mock these people. Anyway, we got to start that over. We must actively uplift LGBTQ plus voices if we are to achieve the America that Democrats stand for. Justice, equality, and opportunity for all people, regardless of race, gender identity, or who you love, Welch said in an email to PGN. We welcome all of our LGBTQ plus delegates with open arms and look forward to electing Democrats who will fight for you in both the nation's capital and the state capital. Sherry Cohen, a social justice activist and former city council candidate, said it's a quote-unquote honor to represent her community as one of the delegates. She noted the higher rates. Here's the victimhood, folks. She noted the higher rates of LGBTQ homelessness, the murders of black trans women, and the high HIV-AIDS infection rates as some of the unique challenges facing this marginalized community. Our community is disproportionately affected by every measure of well-being, whether it's health care access, housing, or employment discrimination, Cohen said. We are disproportionately underrepresented in every economic and social issue because of the historic bigotry our community has faced and continues to face. Even though Democrats run Philadelphia, but don't tell anyone that. We need representation in the Democratic Party so we can fight for a platform that is going to uplift our community and to fight for candidates who are committed to being champions for our community. Okay, then. I guess the only question I have is, are, you know, what are the quotas? I mean, you look at uh, poor Fernandez Martinez, you know, in Kentucky. You know, he's got to do a quota for his restaurant. He's got to hire 23% uh, of his staff in his Mexican restaurant or, have, or Hispanic restaurant uh, has got to be— uh, has got to be uh, to black now. So, I, what what are the quotas for the LGBTQ plus community? I mean, how many how many gay white men are you going to have in that uh, contingent there? I mean, you gotta you gotta put the lesbians in, you gotta put the transgenders in, you gotta put the transitioning in, you gotta put the the questioning community in. The uh, 
I don't know. You got you got way too many. Uh, you got to break this stuff down for us. So I'm I'm hoping that the Philadelphia Gay News can because uh, I'm going to be looking out for this one. I want to know what the quotas are because if it's one thing Democrats know, it's quota counting. Gay Democrat denies aggressive, hostile, and threatening verbal attack on Republican over joke LGBT plus rights bill. So the Q is gone, folks. In this article, it's just LGBT plus. Brian Sims, Pennsylvania's first openly gay House representative, has denied threatening a Republican over contentious LGBT plus equality bill amid the, a police investigation. Tom Mert, Pennsylvania House representative from Montgomery County, called police alleging that Sims subjected him to a furious curse-filled tirade on Monday night. I bet that bitch did. The Democrat allegedly told Mert that he would ruin him and that he was finished and that he would get him for this. Nothing, white boy Malcolm X, there's nothing like a vindictive queen, is there? Mert said that he would, and this is why I'm self-loathing, folks. Mert said it wasn't clear what sparked Sims' anger, but he speculated that it was over-proposal for discrimination protections for the LGBT plus community. While Mert's bill, proposed bill, appears broadly progressive, sources told the Pennsylvania Capital Star, it, quote, smacks of Republicans using LGBT plus issues as a political football to signal moderation at a time when there is less than a dozen days of legislation left before the election. Sims reportedly said as much in an angry, enraged, and wrathful text message to Kurt after the bill's sponsorship memo was circulated on Monday. The Courier Times heard the message accused the Republican of treating LGBT rights as a joke. So, Brian Sims, look at this guy, bless his heart. You know, they are what they hate. I mean, at the end of the day, this guy is, you know, they always like to lecture the rest of us on intolerance and hatred and, and bigotry. And this guy, and, and, and this poor guy, Tom Mert, you know, what is this? Well, Mert's proposed bill appears broadly progressive. So he's, he's trying to do the right thing by us, even though we are, the, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but the most oppressed community, apparently. This, this queen goes, goes nuts on him for it. Yeah, you, Brian Sims, you are what you hate. This is your story, White Boy Malcolm X. Grinder cannibal who mutilated and ate the testicles of Kevin Bacon, accused of yet another horrific hookup attack. And no, folks, it is not Kevin Bacon of Footloose fame. Oh, do you know what movie I saw Kevin Bacon in? And I'm not even making this up. So I'm, I'm talking to you, White Boy Malcolm X. Um, I'm like channel surfing or flipping whatever on like Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever. And I come across like the very first Friday the 13th from, I, I don't remember when that was, 80, 80 something. And so I started watching it and, and sure enough, Kevin Bacon is in that movie. I'm like, holy, holy crap, Kevin Bacon. But this is not Kevin Bacon from Footloose and Friday the 13th. This is another Kevin Bacon that we're talking about here. So don't get too excited, folks. A Michigan man who was accused of killing and eating grinder hookup Kevin Bacon, not the Kevin Bacon, is facing a lawsuit from a second alleged victim who survived an incident, quote-unquote, straight out of a horror movie. Mark Latunsky is already facing a murder charge over the killing of hairstylist Kevin Bacon, not actor Kevin Bacon, who's 25, uh, after luring him to a grinder hookup on Christmas Eve last year. Latunsky, who was judged incompetent to stand trial in March on mental health grounds, is thought to have killed Bacon, strung him up by the ankles, and eaten parts of his body, including his testicles. He is now facing a lawsuit from a second alleged victim. Let's dig into this. James Carlson alleges that he was held captive at Latunsky's Bennington Township home in October, 
two months before the murder of Kevin Bacon, the hairstylist, after meeting with Tunsky's husband online. I didn't know he was married. In the lawsuit, Carlson claims that he was strapped down to a table during a consensual BDSM. And I, that for those of you who don't know, um, bo- uh, what is that? Bondage? Uh, I don't know. Sadomasochism. I know the S and the M. Dominating? I don't know. BDSM session with Latunsky using locks, chains, and leather straps. Holy crap. To restrain him. And this is consensual, folks. He goes over there. He meets Latunsky's husband online on a grinder and goes over to uh, a consensual BDSM session and he gets tied up with locks, chains, and leather straps. However, this is consensual, but however, he was kept restrained in the basement as Latunsky went to bed telling him, you're not going anywhere. The victim eventually managed to free himself by cutting the straps with a knife, fleeing the house, and calling 911. Carlson did not initially wish to press charges, but is now seeking $75,000 in damages to connection with the incident. So he is suing the guy who's going to jail, may get the death penalty. The guy's going to jail for the rest of his life. He's going in for 75 grand because he went to Grinder, hooked up, got tied down willingly, and the guy said, well, you're spending the night, and he had to uncut himself, and he's suing for $75,000. Well, I guess good luck, buddy. Oh, speaking of um, LGBTQ+, LG, I call it the alphabet community, you know, LBGTQ, ABCDEFG. We got some articles, LGBTQ+, uh, LGBT+, plus, you know, all, all sorts of the, the, you know. But this is from P- Pink News, so you know what kind of article this is going to get. The, this cute and pronounceable attempt at an LGBT plus alternative seriously backfired after it dropped gay and added ally. <gasps> no. Unicorn March unveiled their, I don't know what that is, but anyway, Unicorn March unveiled their new acronym yesterday and explained that they wanted a pronounceable version coming up with Cutie Pal Plus. Pronounce Cutie Pal, which I just said. The first three letters stands for, it's spelled Q-T-I-P-A-L, Cutie Pal. The first three letters stands for queer or questioning, transgender, and intersex. And I still, after all these years of making fun of this, have absolutely no idea what intersex means. I know what questioning means. Questioning means, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Anyway, questioning is, if you're a guy and you're sitting around and you're like, hmm, maybe I should put another man's penis in my mouth. That's questioning, I guess. Would you agree with that, White Boy Malcolm X? Okay, White Boy Malcolm X agrees. That is if you, if you're, because normally, you know, you got, I know it's on a spectrum, right, folks? But you're saying, okay, on the, on the say the right side of the spectrum, the straight side of the spectrum. You know, the uh, tr- typical heterosexual or mostly heterosexual guy is, hey, would you like to put another man's penis in your mouth? They'll be like, oh. They'll be like, blank, no, get out of my face. You know, they'll probably call you horrible words that I don't use on this show. But if you're questioning, you're kind of like, you know, mid-spectrum, probably tilting, you know, like, hmm, uh, I'll give that some thought. So that is what the questioning can be, if you're wondering what that is. So anyway, carrying on. The P in Cutie Pal stands for polyamorous, bisexual, and in other words, pansexual. I have no idea what that is. The A is for ace Arrow, a gender, an ally, and I only know what an ally is, and that's just a, uh, a straight person that likes to virtue signal, uh, but I don't know what an ace or an arrow or an agender is, and the L for lesbian gay. The plus stands for all others who need it. The new ac- acronym was quickly pilloried by queer people, with many pointing out glaring flaws and omissions. In other words, speaking of, 
Speaking of becoming what you hate, Brian Sim, Pennsylvania's first openly gay House representative who, who tears into someone, you know, viciously, like a typical vicious queen, probably was on this. I don't know that, but quickly pilloried by other queer people. I mean, you should read some of the horrible things they said. You know, this idiot trying to, like, get, uh, get uh, LGBTQ plus cleaned up a little bit, and they just go after him. So speaking of that, of becoming what you hate, what's next, White Boy Malcolm X? Hand me that pile. This is the one that's going to terrify you the most. Now, more than half of Americans are millennials or younger. Yes, get that right. Now, more than half of Americans are millennials or younger. And that, folks, is a lot of iced coffee and a crap ton of entitlement, right? We've already been covering that. There are now more young Americans than older Americans as millennials and younger generations now make up a majority of... We are proudly... Here on the middle of Russia, we are proudly Gen X. So we are the sandwich generation between, you know, those horrific baby boomers that have wrecked everything with their um, their borrow and uh, their borrow and spend. And now I've got their dopey kids coming up under us who just keep asking, where's the free stuff? You know, we are sandwiched white boy Malcolm X between Tweedledee and Tweedledum, but we're not going to say anything about that anyway. About 50.7% of U.S. residents were under age 40 as of July 2019, according to a new analysis by the Brookings Institute. The combined millennial Generation Z and younger generations are about 166 million people, or 166 million over-entitled brats, according to Brookings' analysis of population estimates released this summer by the U.S. Census Bureau. The The combined Generation X, yay, that's us. Baby boomer and older cohorts represented 162 million U.S. residents. So we are outnumbered, white boy Malcolm X. We are completely outnumbered. But you know what? At the end of the day, this is what's funny. Guess guess who's going to get stuck with this party? America needs to talk about its debt problem. And there was an article, and I did not print it out. It was uh, Ken Buck, the Republican from Colorado. He was saying how the true national debt with this whole party, this COVID party we've been having, is about $30 trillion right now, which is just... It's to wrap your mind around that. It's just it's incredible to think about that much money. Three hundred, what three hundred million of us, to pay that down. So uh, good luck with that. Anyway, this is a uh, a barren story. Virtually every government in the world has engaged in massive borrowing to address the medical costs of COVID nineteen and the economic disruption it continues to inflict. The United States is no exception. As Congress considers spending well over one trillion on top of the two trillion CARES Act, we now face record deficits. No doubt more funds will be necessary and further revenue deterioration will occur. How the country deals with the debt is now taking on will shape the nation's politics for generation. We need to start thinking now about the directions that collective argument could take us. The U.S. also has barely come to grips with the need to supply large-scale assistance to states and cities. States bear the substantial portion of Medicaid, so they are especially hard hit by the virus. And Medicare funds are going to run out of money much sooner than expected as the result of the virus, unless it receives hundreds of billions of dollars in replenishments. The price of not addressing these another enormous state and local government burdens will be sustained weakness in the overall U.S. economy, plus a sharp cut in social services. Here we go. You're ready. You're sitting down, White Boy Malcolm X. Such services are critical to many millions of people, a large percentage of whom are minorities and our lowest income groups, and cutting back on them will exacerbate long-standing racial inequalities. The social disruptions of this crisis have yet to be fully manifest. Yes, 
if we don't keep pumping and pumping and pumping that money, we are racist and we are only going to exacerbate rate. Oh, speaking of, and I alluded to this earlier, but victimhood, this is, this is the, you know, part of the, the, the foundation of the Miller Frost show is to kind of have fun with the, the, who can be, you know, this, I, you know, it's, it's like a pissing contest of, of, of victimhood. So I, I and I pulled this article, this is back from 2011 when we were doing the show last and it's from the Southern Poverty Law Center and the, t- and the title is Gays Remain Minority Most Targeted by Hate Crime. So at the time, they were calling us the, uh, the LGBTQ plus before it was even that. Uh, we were the most victimized minority ever. So now we've got to compete because other people are claiming that they are. But, you know, we are still we're still in the running uh, this uh, from March 30th. Uh, this is a couple months ago, but from NBC News, again, from the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, anti-LGBTQ hate groups on the rise in U.S. report report warns. The number of anti-LGBTQ hate groups has soared, get this white boy Malcolm X, 43% last year. Whoa. Rising from, get this, 43%. Are you ready for this? It has risen from 49 groups in 2018 to 70 in 2019, according to a recent report from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Groups that vilify the LGBTQ community in fact, represented the fastest growing sector among hate groups in 2019, the report states. The SPLC found that surge, found the surge in anti-LGBTQ groups occurred amid the overall decrease in hate groups last year, which dropped to 940 from an all-time high of 1,020 in 2018. The report said the surge was possibly fueled by continued anti-LGBTQ sentiment and policy emanating from government officials, largely attributing it to the Trump administration. Anti-LGBTQ groups have been intertwined with the Trump administration and after years of civil rights progress and growing acceptance among the broader American public, anti-LGBTQ sentiment within the Republican Party is rising, the group uh, report states. Though Trump promised during his campaign to be a quote-unquote real friend to the LGBTQ community, he has fully embraced anti-LGBTQ hate groups and their agenda of dismantling federal protections and resources for LGBTQ people. Ugh, that's a mouthful. I mean, I don't know what to say. I I do, of course. I have no to say about this. I'm Miller Frost. The Southern Poverty Law Firm, let's face it, they have an extremely low bar for what it takes to be a hate group. I mean, white boy Malcolm, and I I suspect tomorrow after they hear this, we are going to be classified as an uh, anti-LGBTQ hate group right now. I mean, granted, I am America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, but that's how low the bar is. Oh, 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 speaking of Trump and the the gay, Trump administration aide fired after anti-gay Twitter meltdown. I knew I had this story. A Trump administration official who once called the U.S. a homo empire erupted in an anti-gay tweet spree on Monday, resulting in her termination. Merit Corrigan, deputy White House liaison at the U.S. Agency for International Development, was let go mid-afternoon as a result of the social media rant. For too long, I've remained silent as the media has attacked me for my Christian beliefs, which are shared by the majority of Americans, Corrigan tweeted. Let me be clear. Gay marriage isn't marriage. Men aren't women. U.S.-funded Tunisian LGBT soap operas aren't America first. White boy Malcolm X, got to get on this Tunisian LGBT soap opera thing for me. I need a story on that, please. Corrigan's Twitter tear continued. The United States is losing ground in the battle to garner influence through humanitarian aid 
because we now refuse to help countries who don't celebrate sexual deviancy. Meanwhile, Russia and China are happy to step in and eat our lunch. Are you ready for more? Okay. I watched with horror this week as USA distributed taxpayer-funded funded documents claiming we cannot tell someone's sex or gender by looking at them and that not calling oneself cisgendered is a microaggression. I'm not cis anything. I'm a woman, she added. So there's that. And I, I have a question for this because I just read this NBC News article from March that was talking about how anti-LGBTQ groups have become entwined with the Trump administration. And this chick got fired by the Trump administration. And the question I have is, why the hell was she not given a promotion by the Trump administration? She was the deputy White House liaison, and she should have been like a senior White House because if, if what NBC News is telling us and the Southern Poverty Law Center is telling us, Trump would love this woman's tweets, but yet they can her. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused about that, but White Boy Malcolm X, seriously, I want to know about this U.S.-funded. I want to watch the LGBT soap opera from Tunisia. That's got to be good. That has got to be some good stuff in there. So speaking of victimhood, it's coronavirus too, folks. I'm just warning you. And this is from, again, the New York Times. But we're not going to talk about that other article from the New York Times where Trump actually wasn't the cause of a coronavirus spike in Australia. But he probably will they'll figure out a way to blame him. But right now, it's just we're not going to talk about it. As pandemic rages, the okay, so here's the here's the headline: Coronavirus economy especially harsh for transgender people. See more transgender news, white boy Malcolm X. As the pandemic rages, ravages the country, there are concerns that are already that an already marginalized group will be further left behind. Let's dig in. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce her name, so I apologize to you. I'm not even trying to make fun of you. When Aria, that I can get. The last name is. Uh, V-I-L-L-A-J-I-N. We'll call her Viagin. Let's just assume it's of, uh, you know, I don't know, Viagin. Uh, Aria Viagin was a teenager. Her father made clear his feelings for gay and transgender people. He always called LGBT folks it. He didn't address them as pronouns. They were it's. And it nothing, folks, nothing pisses off a transgender more than if you don't use their pronouns. My God, if you think what happened to J.K. Rowling was... Uh, was the worst. You just, you don't say, you don't call them she when he's a he or what, or vice versa. So, uh, but calling them an it. Oh, anyway, Miss uh, Viagen, now 33, said if he found out one of his sons were gay, he would make them change their name. <laughs> you should change it anyway. I can't pronounce the damn thing. Miss Viagen pre- presented as male then. When her mother was deported to the Philippines, her black father moved the family to a conservative white suburb, Sacramento suburb. At 18, she left for San Francisco, but even there, life was not easy, and without support, she dropped out of college. Now, this is her quote, and now picture this, folks. She is living in San Francisco. She escaped, which I cannot believe that there is a conservative white Sacramento suburb. I don't think there's a a conservative suburb in the state of California left. I think they've gotten all rid of them, but assuming that's true, we're going to assume that's true. She's now living in San Francisco. Aria is safe in San Francisco. But is she? Quote, sexism is everywhere. Trans misogyny is everywhere. Transphobia is everywhere. Racism is everywhere, she said. You can't go anywhere without having to deal with that being any one of those things. In San Francisco, folks, sexism, trans misogyny, transphobia, and racism 
And not just in the police department, folks. It's everywhere. You go to the Castro, there it is. You go down to Fisherman's Wharf, there it is. You're on Market Street. You're going to go shopping at that. Well, I guess all of it's closed, but assume you're going shopping or something. There's racism and transphobia and transmisogyny and, and uh, sexism and everything. is It is just all over all over the place there. You're by the Golden Gate Bridge. You got it there, too. Uh, you can go anywhere uh, in, in San Francisco, the county and the city, which is one anyway. And it is because I used to live there. I bet if you went to Marin, north of San Francisco, on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge, that's where I was. I bet you're going to find it there, too. So those good liberals infested uh, infested the place with sexism, transmisogyny, transphobia, and racism. Anyway, continuing the victimhood. Miss Viagen's experience of rejection and struggle is all too familiar in the transgender community, even in San Francisco, folks, even under Gavin Newsom's California. While the LGBTQ community at large has seen greater acceptance, transgender people have not experienced the same gains. So, as the coronavirus pandemic ravages the country, there are concerns that an already marginalized group will fall further behind, according to interviews with more than a dozen experts who work with the transgender population. Well, yes, how, how many experts does it take to clarify that point? I guess for the New York Times, I, I can't read this anymore. Uh, no. Oh, crap. More. More in the pissing contest of victimhood. Queer black Americans have taken a disproportionate financial hit during COVID-19 by every measure. Black GLGBT plus Americans are suffering, quote unquote, disproportionate economic consequences during the COVID-19 pandemic, with almost one in five losing their jobs, a new report has shown. And I, I got to just say, because I know... I joke about being America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual. I am not making fun of Aria because she's transgender. I am not making fun of whoever we're about to stumble into in this new article uh, about being black or, you know, getting COVID or, or, you know, what I'm doing is I'm just kind of making fun of. So let's be clear about this, folks. Um, I am just kind of making fun of this. I call it the pissing contest of victimhood. And, and, and this continues on. And I could spend all the entire episode doing this, but we're just going to do these two. Well, no, we do these. I guess we've done three now already. So we're going to do we're going to do this one, and that's it because I can't take it anymore. The report by Human Rights Campaign, in partnership with PSB Insights, tracked the economic impact of COVID nineteen on the LGBT plus community in the U.S. via an online survey of ten thousand people conducted between April and July. While it has been well documented that the coronavirus pandemic has disproportionately impacted LGBT plus people and Black people. The impact of those who are both black and LGBT plus is significantly worse in every measure included in the survey. So white boy Malcolm X, you and I, we are not only part of the most, according to the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, the, the most oppressed group uh, in, in the country, but we are part of the most, when you have not been disproportionately hit financially because your parents will keep writing you checks uh, as, uh, you know, uh, from here to Sunday. And today is Sunday. So. Almost one in five LGBT plus respondents, 18% have become unemployed because of COVID-19 compared to 16% of the black respondents, 16% of LGBT plus people, and 12% of the general population. So if you're black and you're gay, you are more likely, 18% of you have become unemployed. If you're just black, but you're not gay, just 16% of you. So um, do we want to continue with this or no? 
Oh, okay, one more paragraph. How's this? Nearly one-third, 31% of black LGBT plus had their work hours reduced during the pandemic. Some 23% of black respondents, 28% of LGBT plus respondents, and 22% of the general population. You know what this reminds me of? And I don't even know why I got this, because this is the coming up in the next story, is the uh, is that, uh, what was it, the Oprah thing that she was doing? She was talking about um, no matter how white you are, or you know, no matter, all white people are racist no matter what. Something to that effect. And even if you're poor and white, um, you could be poor, white, and unemployed, and you still got white privilege compared to like a billionaire black woman like her. That You still have privilege. Uh, you have white privilege. And speaking of which, because I love it when white people feel, look at this picture of this guy. What does he remind you of, white boy? Pajama boy. Thank you. Remember the, the, the pajama boy ad from, uh, I think it was an Obamacare ad. The pajama boy. This guy, his name is J. Eric Fisher. And this is from Lancaster Online. And he obviously read White Fragility and heard Oprah speak about white white privilege. And, you know, White Fragility is the book by that dopey chick that uh, basically white people are racist. You're always going to be racist. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do. Even if you if you use the word uh, grandfathered or grandfathering, if you don't use the word, you're still a racist. If you do, no matter what you do, you're racist. So he read that. I Obviously, I think he did. And so he wrote this article. White members of LGBTQ community must lend support to their siblings of color. So he is flailing himself for us, ladies and gentlemen, and we are just going to enjoy the flailing. Let's go. Let's deep dive into J. Eric Fisher's article. This weekend, we marked the 50th. Huh? Okay. Yeah. White boy Malcolm X, he wants the accent, uh, the voice. Okay. This weekend, we marked the, this is why I'm self-loathing, folks. This weekend, we marked the 50th anniversary of LGBTQ pride in a historic and extremely important moment, which ought to be a reckoning within our own community. As people continue to march for black lives, we, and and yes, he did put the black, the capital B in black. Uh, As we continue to march for black lives, we in the LGBTQ community must acknowledge that we have our own sordid relationship with racism. Our too often sanitized celebrations of Pride Month, June, make it all too easy to forget, particularly for white queer folks like me, that we are all that we are recalling an uprising not unlike the one that black Americans and their allies are experiencing today. And like the Black Lives Matters uprisings occurring across the country and around the globe, the Stonewall uprisings, which began June 28, 1969, were led by our black and Latino siblings. The truth, not acknowledged often or loudly enough, is that the LGBTQ community stole pride from the black... Oh, shut up. Wait, did you know that, white boy Malcolm X? The, this is, the truth, not acknowledged often or loudly enough, is that the LGBTQ community stole pride from the black freedom movement. It is long past for us to clearly and consistently unite our movements with each other and all dispense people... White privilege, white boy Malcolm X... The white people came in and stole the black freedom. Is there no end to this white proof? I'm not reading this. I literally can't. I, I want to give me some fluff. Give me the fluff pile. Thank you. Hold on. Give me the fluff pile. What time is it? Okay. We got, we got, a, I, I was planning on doing about, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour today. We're just, just flying through it. I actually saw this article and I thought it was fluff. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's from the Daily Beast. Why are people so deathly afraid of criticizing Beyonce? Well, I mean, other than being called a racist, right? But it was actually, I was like, okay, here we go again with this crap. But I read it. It was actually an interesting article. And I'll just read you kind of the, uh, the, the paragraph that kind of, kind of describes everything. 
Capitalism's death grip and not the specter of cancel culture is the real threat to journalistic free speech, particularly in a post-Gawker era. Do you, do you remember what, uh, you remember Gawker? That was a good site. I actually, I mean, they were kind of, those were, speaking of bitchy queens, uh, but it was a good site. Gone are the days when all press was genuinely good press and the rich and famous would welcome their adversaries through the mansion gates. Now we pay for the crossed boundaries of the past with the sycophancy of the present. And the advent of social media, as many have argued, means that celebrities can simply hire PR teams, often former journalists, to get their names and stories out. But even when access is not a necessity, writers may find themselves avoiding strong criticisms of beloved celebrities altogether rather than risk being pursued by fans and iced out reps. So it really is about people not criticizing Beyonce because she's got a very curated life that she wants to uphold. And if you challenge that, you know, they're just going to freeze you out. What's the, oh, Taylor Swift, her fans go nuts. Yeah, I'm never going to say anything bad about Taylor Swift. I love you, Taylor Swift. I am never going to say, because those, don't say anything, because those people, they're, they're, they're like uh, the Twitter rage monkeys. They just go, they go insane if you say anything. Like, well, maybe that song wasn't the best. They just, they go after you. So we're not going to say anything about that. Here, you've been waiting for this white boy, Malcolm X. Kate Middleton, le- Middleton left devastated by bombshell book, about her feud with Meghan Markle. No, I'm not even going to read that. I just, <laughs> I'm not reading it. I'm sorry. I know you want to hear it. It's just, it, it just is insane. If you care about Kate and William and Harry and uh, um, what's the other, the, the, the other, the wife that made them move to the uh, Canada or the U.S. Uh, I don't even know what her name is. I can't think of her name. You know, uh, no, I'm not reading that. So here, I'll give you something. NASA to remove offensive names from planets and other heavenly bodies. And this is from the New York Post. Political correctness has now expanded to space where NASA says planets, galaxies, and other heavenly bodies. I'm offended by the word heavenly. I mean, why are you bringing God into this? Next thing you know, there's going to be something about abortion. We don't want that. So anyway, where NASA says planets, galaxies, and other bodies will no longer be referred to by offensive nicknames. In a press release Thursday, the space agency said that all planets and bodies will be referred only to their scientific names, the Houston Chronicle reported. Under the new rules, so here's some examples for you. The (laughs) Eskimo Nebula, discovered in 1787 by William Herschel, will only be referred to as NGC 2392. The so-called Siamese Twins Galaxy will like, likewise be known only as NGC 4567 and NGC 4568. Well, that's easy to remember, but don't call it the Siamese. We're going we're gonna to grandfather those. We're not even going to grandfather those names, and we're just going to get rid of them. So there's no grandfathering here because that's racist, and this is racist too. As the scientific community works to identify and address systemic racism, systemic discrimination and inequality in all aspects of the field, it has become clear. There's racism, folks, in space. Who knew? Systemic discrimination and inequality in all aspects of the field. It has become clear that certain cosmic nicknames are not only insensitive, but can be actively harmful, especially if you are an Eskimo or a Siamese twin. NASA is examining its use of unofficial terminology for cosmic objects as part of its commitment to diversity, equality, and inclusion. Yes, of course. NASA's Associate Administrator for Diversity and Equal Opportunity, Stephen T. Shy, agrees, saying, These nicknames and terms may have historical or cultural connotations that are objectable or unwelcoming, and NASA is strongly committed to addressing them. So, 
Well, we're running down on time. I mean, we could talk about, listen to these headlines. Women allegedly bash cop's head into concrete for asking her about mask. Dua arrested for attacking Trader Joe's workers for who asked them to wear masks. Man said he was bitten by bus passenger after asking him to wear mask. Just wear the damn mask, folks. I got a mask on. White boy Malcolm X, we both have our masks on, and we're doing a show. And we are, we are, we are social distancing at uh, 10 or 12 feet apart uh, as, he, as he gives me a, a scene gesture from across the room. So I, we can read that. I don't want to read these. You know what I want to end with? I want to end with Ellen DeGeneres being a bitch. I mean— <laughs> Who could have, who could have, uh, uh, you know, seen this one coming? And, and uh, you know, Ellen DeGeneres in Free Fall, a celebrity pile-on begins. Back to the Future star, Leah Thompson says negative treatment stories are true. And, you know, we're going to wrap this up. We've got less than two minutes left. I mean, let's face it. She was caught being a mean girl. And there are lots of mean girls out there. I mean, BuzzFeed has spoken to over 50 staffers of, who've spoken of sexual and other kinds of harassment. And so, you know, and, and the wife, uh, Portia de Rossi, you got to love her. To all our fans, we see you. Thank you for your support. Well, you see them, but they can't see you because they're not allowed to look at Ellen. That's what I heard. But uh, yeah, so she's kind of a bitch and she was caught being a mean girl. And now the pylon, what do the mean girls do? They, they go after each other to tear each other down. So that's, not, I, that's all I have to say about that. But anyway, let's wrap the show. Thank you all for joining us. I hope this has been a... Uh, an exciting and uh, interesting time, and I hope you come back for more podcasts. We'll be doing them every weekend, I'd like to think, and uh, if we can get back to our glory days back in the day, we can go back to doing them uh, twice a week or so. Those are fun shows, White Boy Malcolm X. We had, a, we had way too much fun. But in the meantime, uh, you know, happy Sunday, happy almost Monday. Have a great start to your week, and we will see you back here when we see you. Take care. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.